It's about time someone gets real. Bro, are you sure we're even supposed to be listening to this? Welcome to the Church Misfit Podcast with motivational and thought-provoking content designed to push you further personally, professionally, and spiritually. If this don't move you, you might be dead. Here's your host, Catalyst Collective founder, Joe Elliott. someone interested in how this next generation is being impacted by cell phones, social media, video games, any sort of technology, you're going to want to listen to this panel discussion. So recently we had an opportunity to to be in front of 100 uh, teachers, parents, school counselors, juvenile probation officers who wanted to hear from students directly about the impact technology is having in their life. It was an open and honest discussion that had some great talking points we think you're going to pull a lot from. Now, I'll just give you a, a just high-level perspective on our thoughts on this issue. You know, a, a lot of what we read today is how technology is warping, killing, destroying. Occasionally, there's that article about how, how technology can benefit is helping, but those are more rare. And in our experience at Catalyst, it's not a a defense or an offense, it's a both. Offense and defense is the way to tackle this issue when it comes to technology and teens in the next generation. So we're going to you're going to hear about some of that through this honest exchange between teens and adults. But at the end of this, um, especially the last five minutes, we get into a little bit more of how at Catalyst, we're embracing the positive in technology to drive deeper relationships with the next generation. We've also included in the show notes a link to our latest blog, which lists 25 ways that you as a next-gen influencer can use technology to impact the next generation. We highly encourage you to take uh, you know, a look at that. Uh, share this with somebody that, that also has a teen or works with teens in some way, and I think you'll you'll find it beneficial. Give us a comment, share, don't forget to subscribe, and uh, enjoy this uh, panel discussion. Awesome. Okay, all right, y'all gonna pass that mic back. So some of the questions we might have for these guys could be directed to them as a whole. You might wanna call somebody out. As you saw, uh, Eliza there in sixth grade does not have a cell phone yet. Uh, her sister on the other end, Faith, uh, got a cell phone as she was graduating eighth grade. So she survived middle school without a cell phone. Uh, modern miracle. You can uh, talk to her about that here or later. So let's, 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 there's a lot to wrestle with here, but what are some thoughts that are questions you might have for them? And what I'm going to do is I'm going to come bring the mic so that everyone can hear you. And then we can let them respond. Who wants to jump in? So we got any brave souls on this side since everybody wanted to hide in this corner? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Thank you. Thank you for jumping in. Here we go. Okay, uh, I just want to know what's the youngest age any of you up there has gotten your cell phone because I see I have nieces and nephews that my youngest, my nep- my youngest nephew is five years old and he's obsessed with his older brother and his older sister's phone. So I just want to know how young, what was the youngest y'all were when y'all got y'all's first phone? Um, so Dylan was seventh grade. I, Zane got his in seventh. I got mine my freshman year of high school. Uh, my family says you can't have a phone until you're 13. 
Um, I, again, don't have a phone, but I did get an iPod when I was like eight, ten. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go with that. Um, I grew up in a house where if you want something, you're gonna work for it, so I didn't get my first phone, so I got my first job and paid for it, so. Woo, that's even more rare, come on. Come on, mom. That was great. Hey, but we all know, and, and I, I appreciate that because they have, you know, a lot of these have younger siblings and they're asking for phones every day. And, you know, I remember, you know, when our girls were growing up, especially Eliza, her, you know, her friends in elementary school, they don't knock at the door anymore, right? They text me, hey, can Eliza come out and play? I'm like, where are you? You're right outside my front door texting me asking if my daughter can come out and play. It's ridiculous. Um, all right, something else. Some other questions we got. All right, here we go. I'll come back to you. So I'm curious, y'all that go to Leander schools that have a computer given to you by the school, has it affected? How's that affected you? Um, so um, I don't, I got a computer from my dad, which I. Um, which I bought because the school district requires it. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I broke that one. Um, and then I had to buy his off of him and use an iPod, um, iPad till I could do that. Um, but really the computer was very helpful, but once you weren't at school, when you were at home, it was kind of like you can do what you want with the computer. Like some things were um, may have been like kind of restricted still, but you could still watch Netflix or do things that you wanted to do. So it wasn't very limited when you went back home. Let me ask you this, Eliza. You got the computer. Do you think you use it more for school or for entertainment? Well, you're at eight hours. Like you have eight hours of school that you're at. So. Oh, so you can go technical on me. <laughs> um. I, I'm like an A, I'm an A plus student, so. You're grounded if you're not honest. No, it's okay. So um, I found that I only use my laptop for school and for homework because, uh, because like that's what they, that's what you got it for, not so you could watch movies or TV. That's what TVs and stuff are for. So I think if you're buying a laptop to use it for entertainment, you should probably just buy your own and not buy one from the district. Um, so I have my own personal laptop that I bring to school instead of having to rent from the school. Uh, and I always have an extra page open. Like I'm on like Pinterest on the side when my teacher's just lecturing. Like social studies is a it is a, so easy. <laughs> I'm always she'll be lecturing and I'll just be on Pinterest and then we can take a quiz and I'll get a hundred. So it's just <laughs> the LISD laptops like block a lot of like game websites though. So there's not like a whole bunch of opportunities to be able to like switch over to a different tab, but there is like Pinterest and stuff. But I don't know a whole lot of high school guys who'll go on Pinterest. <laughs> so there's okay. not a whole lot of opportunity. Yeah, all right, that's good. Yeah, I'll hold it for right there. You have a question? I'm often reminded I'm the meanest parent in the world because I don't let my kids have their phones upstairs. How many of y'all get to have your phones at night? And if you do, do you stay on them during the night? Um, quick, quick, raise your hand. Who can have your phone with you or technology, whatever, in, in your room, in your bed at night? Okay, so then the other three of you are no? That's 50-50? 
can. You can. I can take it with you. Okay. Four, four out of six. Okay. Well, my family has us all put like every device in a basket at 10 o'clock, and then you can't do anything um, else unless you have like a special exception that you've asked for. Um, but I mean, it's kind of hard for my parents who have nine kids to check that every kid's like five different devices are in that basket. So a lot of times there's like that one kid that decides to break the rules and when that one kid breaks the rules, every kid has to have, like the time moves back and back and back. And so like at one point it was like five o'clock, you have to have all your devices in the basket. So it kind of like gave incentive to not do that because then you have the other eight siblings hating on you for like the rest of your lifetime. Yeah, oh, uh, mascot one, I'm gonna come over on this side too. Uh, just wondering what you guys think should be a school, a school or a school district's policy on cell phones. If there should be one, and if so, what should it be? Um, well, like I said, I go to McNeil High School, and so, like, we have a lot of transfer students who, like, don't speak English. So, like, in our classroom, it's like we can, like, mentor somebody if we want to, but, like, if it's just a regular 31 class, like, I have a teacher right now. He's a soccer coach, so it's funny when you have a coach as a regular teacher because most of the time they're really loud. And so like he said, we can use our phones as long as like, if he's up there lecturing, he wants eye contact just to make sure we're understanding everything he's saying and all that. But most of the teachers are really laid back on phones nowadays because it actually helps some kids. Like me personally, like I'm dyslexic, I'm like bilingual, all that stuff. So music helps me, like I, we even did a test. Like if I don't have music in my ears, I fail like 90% of my tests. And so like when it comes to like the lectures and stuff, put your phone away. But if it comes to, like quizzes, tests, put a playlist on, put your phone away, and then you're good. So like I feel like we should be allowed to have phones, just like limit it at the same time. Uh, I feel like you should have uh, your phone in in class, um, but I feel like there should be limits. Like when the teacher's talking, you're not allowed to have it out. Like when you're supposed to be working, you're not allowed to have it out. But I do think you should be able to listen to music or when it's just like when you're done with all your work you should be allowed to do whatever you want on your phone well i find that there are a lot of moments like in the classroom whenever you have finished all your work and there's really nothing you should be doing and yeah during tests and things like that i do find that i do better when i am listening to music because most of the time i study with music on and i feel like it kind of helps me go back into the moment of studying and so I still have like the knowledge in my brain type of thing. And so I feel like you should have your phone, but you shouldn't like use it during tests except for like music, but you should be able to use it like in class whenever you're not really doing anything. Okay, this is, this is making me want to ask an interesting question. Of all six of you up there, how many of you feel like you study better with music? Okay, put your hand down. Old people. How many of you feel like you studied better with music when you were a teen? Okay. Like, that's not the majority. <laughs> so, something is shifting. Some of us did. I couldn't do that. I can't listen to music and study. I mean, the smallest little tap would drive me nuts, right? I've got to have silence and focus. So, I think, I think, it's, I think that's interesting. I'm going to come back there. I see your hand here, but I'm going to come here first. Hey, ladies and gents, Dan here from Juvenile Services. One of the main issues that um, the video pointed out um, in regards to uh, teenagers and technology is the self-control. Uh, they talk about self-regulation and that kind of stuff. Um, what are some of the things that you are doing uh, to kind of help 
uh, you know, regulate um, your technology use and just to help you build that self-control so you're not constantly out there taking selfies and you know, being distracted or, or, or just not engaging um, life like up front. You guys, you guys policing yourself up there, and it could be, could be video games. You know, do you feel that I'm um, in this too much? How are you policing yourself on this stuff? Go ahead. Um, for me, I think that it's really hard to police yourself when you're kind of immersed in a world of technology, but um, especially when it's like bringing you a lot of like happiness, like pleasure. But um, I, I think it's easier when you find something that takes you away from it to realize like, oh man, I could have like been doing this the whole time. I recently um, like got into photography and joined wrestling and it's, it's, it's really made me have a lot less time on my phone because I, I spend so much time doing other things and there's really nothing interesting left on my phone. So it's, it, once you step back and you like get out of that like hole that you've been sucked into by technology, it's easier to see that it's not that interesting and like you could have been doing a lot of other things. It, that's good. I want to someone else chime in on that, but I want to say that that I think that speaks to our earlier point of when we help teams find that that passion button within them, that becomes the thing that they invest time and attention into more so than other things, and that's what we're looking for. And for faith, that was photography, and and for others, it's got to be something else. Go ahead, Court. Okay, so when I first got my phone when I was 13, I like. In like in the first two months, I was on it like pretty much 24/7, and like I was the kid who snuck it past the 10 o'clock deadline and everything. Not the only kid, but I was one of them. Um, and I started realizing, you know, when you're like up late talking to your other middle school friends, middle school kids are gonna say some pretty stupid stuff at 12 at night. So I was like, this is causing so much drama, and I don't want this. And I started realizing like I need to regulate my time. So. What I did was I would use my phone and computer and stuff like that, especially when I'm doing homework, only in open areas. And I told my brothers, since I have six of them and they will use any excuse to uh, get revenge on me, I told them, if you see me doing anything like for this, like I would say, I'm going to be on social media for 30 minutes. If you see me go past that timer, slap me. And then <laughs> I was like... So, I mean, my brothers are strong, like, they're football players, I do not want to get slapped by them. So I would use that as my, like, okay, Corey, get off, you're going to get, like, actually hurt by this. That's good. Any of you guys, maybe fellas, um, when it comes to video games, same thing, do you, feel, do you feel like you police yourself when it comes to anything like that? Netflix. No. no, no. <laughs> Yeah, no. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving on, next question. So here's a tough one, I think. If you didn't have a screen, be it your phone or a TV, um, if you couldn't play music before bed, is it possible to fall asleep? What suggestions would you have for someone to fall asleep? If you don't like reading as well, if you take that out the equation. Do you guys have any suggestions for that? One time I lost my charger and I read a book. <laughs> you can't read. No Reading, oh. re you can't read either. What would you do? Mess around with a yo-yo? I don't know. <laughs> As a high school student, it's pretty easy for me to fall asleep. <laughs> so I don't really struggle with having to have music to fall asleep or um, 
having to use my phone to tire me out because at the end of the day I'm already done. <laughs> so. Well, I find that like, uh, like normally I do and like stay up late even without like my phone and especially books. Like I'll stay up all night reading a book like last night, but um. <laughs> I I do a lot of sports also, so I realized that like in order to get myself tired, like I would exercise, like do a workout before bed, or like try stretching or practice some of my cheers and stuff like that, and uh, that like would exhaust me. But I also enjoy talking a lot, so uh, in case you haven't noticed, but um, so I, I share a room with my sisters, so I would just talk until. Like, my sisters like talking too. So I would talk until either I annoyed them to where they fell asleep or they annoyed me to where I fell asleep. But I, like, either interacted with people or, like, tired myself out before so that I wouldn't have to use music. All right. Good stuff. Next question over here. I have a question regarding social media. Um, it's kind of a three-part thing. Um, what is um, your favorite social media app that you're using? And what's your experience with people having fake accounts, and why do you think they may do that? Okay, so raise your hand if the go-to is Snapchat. Okay, Zane, do you have a go-to? Instagram, okay. Four Snapchat, one Instagram. All right, second part of the question, Juanita? Um, yeah, like my favorite app is Snapchat. And I feel like Snapchat is like a place, like literally now that they updated the app, you can locate anybody around the world as long as their location's on. I feel like it's a better way to like keep in contact, keep location, especially if you have your parents on Snapchat, which I do not, like I don't need their location. So, so I want you to hang on to that mic real quick. So it may be harder in Snapchat to maybe not create false accounts, but what you guys experience with fake accounts and how do you feel like? How do you feel about that? Have you ever created a fake account? That kind of stuff. Experience with it on any platform. So I got played with a fake account before, and it's not fun. It feels really like it makes you feel vulnerable. Like especially if you like have like a really serious conversation with the person, and like turns out like, hey, send me a snap, and it's like you're like an 80 year old guy or something, or like a 10 year old girl, and it's like. It's really off guard and like it makes you like really mad. Like I almost made a fake account one time, but I didn't. That's just not the kind of person I am. But like, it's really easy to make fake accounts, no matter what social media it is, because they don't ask for ID, social, nothing. You can put in any date of birth, any birthday, anything. Make any name. Doesn't even have to be a real name. It can be an animal, and it's just easy. Good. We we'll pass that down to Dylan and Faith. You guys respond to that. Okay, so I actually have two, one for Instagram, one for Snapchat. The one on Instagram is one day uh, in my direct messages, I, someone had DM'd me asking me a bunch of questions. I later found out it was my mom who had made a fake account. <laughs> and then on Snapchat. Crafty, those are creative points right there. And then on Snapchat, my mom uh, found my thing and started tracking me using the Insta map. So I had to make a new account and uh, use that one. She still hasn't found it, so. <laughs> um, I would say that, like, there, there have been, like, times where I've been like, maybe I should create a fake account because I really want to follow this person, but I don't want them to know I'm going to follow them because I low-key have a crush on them or whatever. Um, and then I kind of, I step out of it, and I'm like, that's stupid, and then I just use my friend's account. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tricks to the trade. Question? 
Yeah, go ahead, Zane. Oh, well, I haven't really had any experience with uh, fake accounts or anything, because <laughs> mainly what I do on social media is on Instagram, I have a private account, and on Snapchat, I'll like, I won't accept a friend request on Snapchat unless I know who's friending me, and I'll like talk to them before they even like friend me on Snapchat. And on Instagram, I like have a private account, so they have to request to follow, and then I look at their account, see if I know them, and then like if I know them, I'll let them follow. But other than that. So, so let me ask you this then, because you don't seem to be as concerned about number of followers, likes, shares, any of that stuff. I mean, what's the what drives you to create more private accounts versus all your friends who are like, yeah, I'll take a friend request from anyone? Uh, it's just kind of like, I I don't have a lot of friends, so and I don't want people like stalking me on my profiles and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We are very similar. <laughs> it's interesting. So um, quick quick note on something we've noticed as, as uh, technically you're in high school, this is Generation Z coming up behind millennials. And one of the things that researchers are finding about Gen Z is that they're learning from the mistake of millennials. Millennials posted all their dirty laundry online, they got busted, all this kind of stuff. Gen Z learned from that and says, okay, there's a smarter way to go about this. And I think uh, Zane's might be an example of a lot more of what you're gonna see. Um, so anyway, go ahead. Um, going a little bit darker, they touched on it in the video with making Instagram posts or Snapchat and having someone respond with, my God, if I look like that, I would kill myself, or um, commenting on other people's appearance or things that other people are doing in their lives. Um, I don't really have a question, but I'm more curious to get your opinion on, well, I guess it is a question. Like, how can we collectively combat the impact that's having on your generation? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna be honest, I haven't really noticed many people being like, oh, I, if I look like you, I, I would kill myself. I've more experienced people being like, kind of like constructive criticism, like maybe you shouldn't do this because it like sends a certain image to people. And, uh, but there are people who say things like what you were saying. And I think one way to stop them is just to uh, block them or like, for certain photos on Instagram, you can disable commenting and stuff like that if you don't want people talking. So let me let me take this, uh, and I and I think I hear what you're saying. Even if you personally have never experienced any sort of cyber bullying or been on the other end of those comments, you've seen them happen and you've seen them aimed toward people you know. What do you think you know should be done about that? And does does your generation have any responsibility in, in, in stopping that? Um, well, I, don't, I think that if it's gonna happen, it happens in person a lot. Like, maybe not to the person's face, but it's just like gossip behind their back. Nobody's gonna comment it online because whoever it is is gonna screenshot it. Like, they're not scared of telling their friends or tattletelling, telling other people. Like, that's not a big problem for them. So. People who are bullying aren't gonna put it out there like that so people can think that they're a jerk. They're gonna like make underhand comments or talk to their friends about it and it's just 
it's 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 smart. They're smart about it. Right. And and most of most of like a comment like something like that oftentimes isn't pu public, but it would come across through a private message or something more secure text message. Yeah, it's it's really hard to prevent that because it's just it's kind of it's it's just teenagers. It stems from insecurity, and it's really it's going to be impossible to ever completely stop. I mean, you're always going to have someone who feels insecure and wants to make someone else feel like that, and it's just it's kind of impossible to prevent. You can though help prepare teenagers with how to deal with it and help like build up teenagers' confidence so that they don't feel the need to be affected by what someone's saying to them or about them. That's good. I want someone else to respond to that because, uh, and I think what I hear you saying, Faith, is that I don't know what to do about it. It's always going to happen. It's always been there. Bullying's been there in some way, shape, or form. Um, you know, so I don't, you know, it's honest. It's an honest answer and I like it, but I, I'll mention this. I'll sit on this for just a second before we wrap up because I know it's a big hot button issue for um, your, your school districts. Your principals, administrators are trying to figure this out because uh, you know, nationally the rates of suicides are increasing. Um, you know, and, and, uh, and so we, as, as adults, we wanna do our part, but we're, we're also curious as to, is there something that you, your generation can own to help combat this? Go ahead. Okay, well, um, so I think Faith really touched on the, like, you can't really stop it, but you can prepare people on how to deal with it because I've been on, um, I haven't been like cyberbullied, but I have very close friends who have and um, were pushed towards like um, attempts on suicide because of it. And um, like this, this was last year, seventh grade, and I was like, whoa, I like I'd never been in a public school except for second grade before that. And I was like, this is like not okay for seventh grade girls and guys to be doing, but it happened all around me. Sometimes like people, it was like so hidden, you didn't even see that someone had a problem because they're so good at making a like mask um, and pretending like their life is okay. So I think um, like one of the things that um, my teachers like didn't help with was they said, oh, kids are so emotional in our school because I go to a charter school where they, it's a very rigorous, um, academic load. So they were like, oh, they're just stressed out because of the schoolwork. And so this is just um, because of that. But what they didn't see was that there is actually like a craving that the students have to feel like, like they touched on the uh, comments on girls posts, like, oh, you're so pretty and stuff like that. When I find that most of the times when people post, like comment, oh, you're so pretty and stuff like that, they want to be called pretty back. And so that's why they're commenting that on your photo. So um, I think they really need to, our generation can work on being more positive towards those people and giving them um, more uplifting uh, comments. That's good. That's awesome. Let me, let me close with a, a couple of thoughts. Uh, and that's, that's simply, here's, here, I want to just give some practical examples. Things that you'll read, if you, if you pick up our flyer back there and read the blog we wrote, you're going to see 25 ideas just like this. But here's the deal. 
Like if I'm sitting down at McNeil in front of a student who's taken our, uh, our purpose project and gone through it um, because we bribed them with pizza, and I'm sitting here looking at how they're uniquely made, their personality type, their natural talents, their life experiences, and different factors, and I'm trying to help them pinpoint that area, that passion button, that, that thing that's at their core that they may be brilliant at but don't know it yet, I want to use technology where I can to get them involved. So some students I sit down with and I'm like, you're a writer, you're a communicator. Why don't you blog for us? If you write something on a topic you're passionate about, our organization's gonna post it. Really, you'll do that? Yeah, we will, totally. Another young man I talk to, and this is common, right? What do you wanna do for a living? I wanna, I wanna do video games for a living. You know, esports is gonna be a thing, if you haven't heard of that. It's, it, it is a thing, it's gonna be even more a thing. It's gonna be the thing that may take over physical sports, like NFL and NBA and MLB. Esports has, the, has the, the possibility to be one of the type grossing incomes of, of, of sports ever. And this is electronic. This is, I'm gonna turn on ESPN and I'm gonna watch two guys play Call of Duty and battle each other. I'm not gonna play video games, I'm gonna watch other people play video games, right? That's what the next generation is wanting to do. That's the thing, right? And, and when I'm sitting in front of those young men, I'm saying, you know what? You're, right now, you're, you're a consumer. You're taking, you're taking, you're taking. If you really wanna do something, you have gotta learn to produce. How about you figure out how something about the game that you love and start a YouTube channel or start or record something. Uh, put your own channel together on, on tips and tricks and how you navigate through this game. Become a, produce a product out of it. And we can help you, we can help you get started with that. That's, that's one way to do it. You know, as, as so, to those that are into photography, you know, would you comment and start posting for us? This man behind the camera right here, he was a teenager when I met him umpteen years ago, and all he knew is he wanted to do film. And I'm not kidding you, with the first thousand dollars that Catalyst had in our budget, and I had him around, I said, dude, I'm gonna, well, let's buy film equipment and start filming stuff. And he started filming stuff for us, right? Not, now, nine, ten years later, he just launched, he just left his job to launch his own film production company called Method Living Productions, right? Because we found something nine, 10 years ago that, that he could get his hands around and, and, and mess with, right? So those, those are some examples that you're gonna read. I hate Snapchat because I seriously don't wanna learn another thing. I get that, I'm so done. I'm like, dude, I, you know, you get, I don't wanna learn Instagram. But what I do want to do is I want to maintain a deeper connection with my kids and with this generation I'm trying to lead. And if I have to do it through Snapchat, that's the vehicle I'm going to use to get in their world and be an influence. How about a round of applause for these guys, right? For more free content from Joe and his team of church misfits, visit www.catalystcollective.community.